Are you a homeschooling parent who is looking for ways to make it more enjoyable for you and your kids? Are you considering homeschooling but are concerned that you might not have what it takes? Do you believe there just aren't enough hours in your already busy day to educate your children at home? Are you really scared of messing up your kids forever? Well, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Before we get started on today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Once upon a time, there was a homeschooling mom named Shoparella who had a problem. She loved buying shiny new books, all the books, and she especially loved buying new curricula for her mice. This isn't a perfect analogy, but just hang with me. Unfortunately, she sometimes spent money on books and curricula that just didn't fit. Kind of like trying to shove a glass slipper on her stepsister's janky feet. But what Shoparella really needed was a team of fairy curriculum consultants named Janice, Deanne, Sarah, Gina, Ruth, and Judy. Yes, these are their real names. To help her make good curriculum choices. Thankfully, Shoparella found Rainbow Resource Center. Rainbow Resource Center is a family-owned business serving the homeschool community since 1989. Basically, they've been around since uh, Shoparella was very, very young. Even if you don't homeschool, Rainbow Resource Center is a wonderful place to get educational gifts for kids of all ages. You can sort their huge catalog of resources by grade and by subject to get the best educational products for your family. But hurry, because on the stroke of 12, everything will be as it was before, meaning you can get their great prices all day every day at rainbowresource.com. Again, that's rainbowresource.com and get free shipping on orders over $50 and live happily ever after the delivery truck arrives. Well, hey there, Ginger. I'm excited to have our very first guest on the podcast, and I know she's a good friend of yours, so how about you introduce her to our listeners? Gladly. I first talked to Dorinda about three years ago when a mutual friend recommended that she have me as a guest on her podcast, and we just immediately clicked, and then I guess it was just a few months later, we wound up being booth neighbors at a homeschool convention, and you know, some folks might say that was a crazy coincidence, but I think God's hand was in that for sure because it was just, it was a really big convention with a lot of booths. And both of our husbands were with us for that convention. So we basically spent three days together and we just hit it off so well that Ronnie and I invited Dorinda and her family to come spend a weekend with us on Lake Martin near our home in Alabama. And we just had a blast. And ever since then, Dorinda and I have been good friends and prayer partners. And she has just been a huge, huge blessing in my life. So I am just thrilled that she is our very first guest. Let me tell you, you a little bit more about Dorinda. She and her husband, Daryl, have eight children and six grandchildren. Wow. Dorinda has more than 25 years of home education experience, so I say that makes her an expert. She's a trusted voice at homeschool conventions and the host of the Dorinda Wilson podcast, which I love. And uh, this is my favorite part. She has written my absolute favorite book on homeschooling called The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life. Dorinda Wilson, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited. 
Thank you for having me. Hey, I have to update the grandkids. We're on number seven now because the seventh oh. was just born a few weeks ago. So I'm excited oh. about that. You know, it's a grandma thing. I have to share it. But oh, yes, I-, I am excited to be here today and honored that I get to be your first guest. Thank you yep. for having me. Yep. Yep. Well, I tell you, Dorinda, I just love you and I love your book. And you know, it was actually that weekend at the lake when you decided to write the four-hour school day. <laughs> and I remember very well sitting on the back porch talking about about it. And now here you are three years later with an amazing book and just much needed message that's spreading like wildfire and encouraging lots and lots of families. Dorinda, be careful because Ginger will try to get credit and sign her name in all of your books. <laughs> it, she's going to try to take credit for it, I can tell you. Well, can I just say, I was just going to share, she actually does deserve some credit because she's actually was the person who initiated that book to start with. We were at her house on the lake. And I was sharing with her, apparently passionately, things I felt about homeschooling (laughs) and all of that. And she stopped and she looked at me and she said, Dorinda, I think you have another book in you. And I tell this story all the time that I say, well, then I looked at her and said, really, tell me more. And so she did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We just had such a great conversation about it. And I'm telling you, though, Katie's right. The next time we're booth neighbors, I already have my uh, Sharpie packed. As the co-author. Right. No. You got it. <laughs> no, you I'm got just it. <laughs> no. Well, Dorinda, you homeschooled all eight of your children. Let me say that again for the third time. Eight children. So <laughs> can you please share with our listeners what advice you have for those who are just starting to homeschool and maybe even for those who have been teaching at home for a few years? What mm-hmm. are some of your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I I think the first thing I always want to say, and that I think um, I would want to have heard all those years, is relax. Mm. You are far more qualified than you realize. Um, I think parents don't realize that their love for their children is a huge um, component of being uh, able. It's part of what enables you to be a good parent teacher to your children. You know, I often tell moms, especially you have this nurturing nature in you that God put in you and this love for your children that no one else has and this instinct. And um, and he's going to use all of those things to help you facilitate your kids' education. Um, and I think also the other thing that I would say is ignore the naysayers. That's the, <laughs> that's the mm. second thing I would say. Because at the end of the day, you are responsible for your kids. No one else, you know. Um, I, you know, this is why God made you the parent, is so that you can make these decisions. And um, our culture, and specifically the school system, has really downplayed and actually um, not just minimized, but really been disrespectful, especially recently, towards the role of parents in their kids' lives. And your role in their lives matters. And so, uh, you know, God has given you these children. They are a gift, and they are given specifically to you. It's very intentional. And so God's not going to give you um, these children and then not equip you to do whatever it takes to raise them for Him. And if uh, homeschooling is a direction you feel that you should go and that you feel like the Lord's leading you, He's going to equip you for it. I've experienced this in my own homeschool, so I'm 100% confident that it's achievable. But I know we'll have listeners who think it's impossible to achieve all the teaching and education that our kids need in a four-hour day, uh, particularly since most traditional schools are eight hours a day or more. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I I have actually a few thoughts on that. Um, (laughs) Just practically speaking, think about the student-to-teacher ratio. 
A traditional classroom has 25 to 30 kids. At home, it's just you and your kids. And um, they it's a, it's a well-known fact that part, one of the top things that makes a child's education successful is a low student-teacher ratio. So even with my eight kids, I still had a low student-teacher ratio, even though it didn't <laughs> feel like that some days. Um, at the end of the day, I really, really did. And, and the other thing is, think about the the curriculum that you're going to choose, you get to choose what's actually a best fit for your child. And you can use learning and teaching methods that are best for your child. And, you know, you know your child better than anyone. I, I say this all the time. You are the expert in your child. Um, if there's a well-known fact that if you spend 10,000 hours doing something, that makes you an expert at that particular thing. By the time your child is six years old, you've spent um, 16,000 hours with them. So by the time they're school age, hmm. it's 13-ish thousand hours. Okay, so that's that makes you an expert in your child. You know, you love them more than anyone and, uh, you know, you're more committed to them than anyone. You care more than anyone about their future. So all of those things and this love that you have for your child is going to help you. Um, and the fact that you know your child is going to help you um, streamline and use curriculum and methods and approaches that are best fit your child, which makes it all way more efficient and way more effective. And so mm -hmm. you're going to spend a lot less time um, having to, you know, look at the books or be in the curriculum or whatever than a typical classroom. I, I've talked to teachers over and over again, and I ask them how many, you know, how much time learning time actually happens in the classroom. And they say it is a fraction of the time. And so that's why I'm convinced, also based on my own experience, that it definitely can happen in uh, far less than seven hours a day. Yes, all very good points. You know, I so wished I would have had your book in my early homeschooling years, because when I first started out, I felt like I had to mimic a traditional school style of learning, which I don't know why, because I hated going to school. <laughs> I remember feeling like uh, I was sent to prison at eight o'clock every morning. And I spent so much of the day looking at that classroom clock, just waiting for three, because three o'clock meant freedom. So I don't know why in the world I tried to create an environment that looked anything like what I experienced my poor kids, you know, even though, um, even when they were little, just in kindergarten, I started out with a full curriculum of workbooks that had way too much busy work for my kids. And looking back, I really regret that mm -hmm. because it was unnecessary repetitiveness that right. robbed them of time that could have been spent on more natural ways of learning that would have been way more fun for all of us. And, you know, it's making them follow a curriculum that was designed in many ways just to keep kids busy. Well, it just sucked the fun right out of homeschooling because it didn't leave any room for them to learn based on their natural curiosities and interest. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like my kids would, uh, like I did in school, they would try to hurry to get finished with all their schoolwork, all the boring stuff, so that they could get other things, uh, you know, start getting to other things that were more fun and interesting. What I didn't realize, Dorinda, is that fun and learning those don't have to be separate things. Yes. So Dorinda, I know there are so many benefits to homeschooling. And I know you talk a lot about those benefits in your book. 
But let me just say that one of the biggies for our family was that it allowed me to be the primary influence in the lives of my kids. Mm -hmm. I was with them all day. So whenever they struggled, I was able to use those moments as opportunities to teach them and to point them to their need for Jesus. Because I think Mm -hmm. we can all agree that teaching that applies at the moment and to the situation, that's really teaching that's going to truly benefit the child. The greatest benefits come when teaching is done as you go or in the context of the moment. And when we're with our kids, the majority of the time, we're able to do that. So, Dorinda, what do you see as the major benefits of homeschooling your kids? Well, Ginger, you're absolutely right. That teaching in the moment is huge because you're right there. You're experiencing it. All your senses are experiencing it. And that's how we really, really learn the best is when we're experiencing it with all of our senses. Um, But I would say that one other major benefit of homeschooling our kids is building a strong, cohesive family. I think looking back after I wrote the book, that wasn't my intention. I didn't go into the book um, thinking that I was going to talk about building a strong family life. But when I looked back after it was written, that's exactly what happened, which to me says, you know, the Lord was wanting that. And it was really a a real tangible reminder to me um, that that is actually what we did. And in that context is is really um, so is where so much of our kids' education came from. Because those relationships, the everyday problem solving that happens in a practical way, um, everything from the broken down dishwasher to, you know, mm-hmm. relationships and nurturing sibling relationships and working through conflict, all those soft skills that really, at the end of the day, are used a whole lot more than whatever information, you know, I gave them that day. Um those soft skills are what's really um, has benefited our kids as adults as they gone, have gone into their careers and whatever it is that they're doing right now. Um, and and there's something that that's missing from a lot of young people these days. They just they haven't had the opportunity to build those. And I really believe, you know, God. Um, He created the institution of the family. He created the family before he even instituted the church. So the family is very important. And I believe it's, it is really, um, it's that, it's that home base. It's that foundation, that place, that anchor that anchors our kids and, um, and anchors them for life. And so it's really wise um, to think about their home life as a family, as, as, all part of their education, um, spending this time together, living life, like I said, overcoming obstacles together. Um, the other thing I really love is being able to decide as a parent, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, um, what is actually best for my kids physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. You know, like you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, just being the one to be able to instill those values. You know, when we're going through a difficulty or we're looking at something that's happening in the world, I can frame it within a biblical framework and I can I can give them a biblical worldview through conversation, through just being with them as we're living life together. And so um, I think th- those are some unbelievable, irreplaceable mm-hmm. benefits. Yes, to totally agree. Well, Dorinda, I suspect many of our listeners are homeschooling for the first time after having their kids in a traditional school. So how do you suggest they make that transition with their kids from going, you know, the children going to in-person learning to learning at home with mom or dad? Mm, I would definitely say probably 
going through that de-schooling process, we're thinking that mm. everything has to look exactly like the public school, like uh, Ginger mentioned before. Mm. It's, it's all we know. And so we just tend to go to what we know because this this other, uh, you know, anything other than that is an unknown. And we're already feeling uh, somewhat inadequate and unsure of ourselves. And so, you know, for, for maybe, you know, a little while, you you might want to take some time off and just be spending time doing some fun, relaxing things with your kids and being a student of them. Because um, there's something to be said for watching and listening, taking mental or even physical notes um, about your kids, how they respond to things, what seems to be drawing their interests. Um, because as we're doing that, what we're really doing is we're honing in on knowing um, better how to approach homeschooling in a way that it will be a better fit for our kids. And so instead of just jumping in and hoping we're hitting the target, we're being more intentional this way. So, you know, just kind of reconnecting with our kids, talking to them about what do they enjoy? What, you know, what would they, what have they always wanted to learn about? What did they not like? about the public school and what did they like? Because maybe some of there's there's some things from there you can pull into homeschooling that will actually be beneficial. Um, but you're listening to them and you're let, making them part of the conversation. Um, the other thing that I would be uh, definitely be thinking about is beginning with the end in mind. I have a whole chapter dedicated to this, um, but really thinking through what are your big picture goals, What's your end game? What do you really want for your kids at the end of the day when they're adults? Um, kind of your mission statement, you know? And I think uh, one of the things that uh, would be really beneficial, and I'm happy to include this um, in your show notes, I've got a devotional that I offered, a free devotional for uh, parents to read through, and it's like a two-week journey. Um just asking lots of questions and kind of helping you go through this process of transitioning from from homeschool or from public school to homeschool. And so I'd be happy to to offer that. Um, yes, your, yes, your absolutely. Okay, yes, thank Great. you for that. Yes. Well, Dorinda, you offer such a fresh perspective on homeschooling, but I know there are those who still have thoughts on homeschooling that aren't based on facts. For instance, I cannot tell you how many people have asked me how I plan to socialize my kids <laughs> if they aren't in a traditional school. That question, it puzzles me because we were drawn to homeschooling after witnessing how articulate and intelligent the homeschooled children were that we knew. Mm -hmm. In fact, I read one time that the absolute worst way to socialize a child, if you want to put it that way, is to put them in a room with one adult and a bunch of other kids their age. So I think there's a lot of truth to that. So Dorinda, what is the biggest myth about homeschooling that you want to debunk? Well, that was one of them. I actually have mm. have two. Of course, there there's the one that it doesn't have to take seven hours a day, and we're going to be obviously talking a little bit more about that. But the socialization, definitely at the top of the list. And Having dealt with this for over a quarter of a century, it's very difficult for me to not roll my eyes um, when people <laughs> huh? ask me that question um, because it's just, it has never made sense to me from day one. Uh, like you mentioned, how many times in your life, once you get out of school, do you spend eight hours a day, five days a week with people your own age? Only your peers, exactly. It, mm -hmm. So yeah. how is that preparing you for real life 
socialization. So I kind of have this little thing that I do where I, I kind of distinct uh, make a distinctive between socializing and socialization. To me, socialization is about uh, conformity. You mm. Just do what everybody else is doing, conform to what everyone else is doing. And that's really what goes on in the public school. Um, it, but when it comes to socializing, my kids do that very, very well. And as you have, you know, just shared, you've seen uh, so many homeschool kids who are very articulate. They can talk to anybody, any age, because we're living real life alongside of each other. So I'm taking my kids to the post office and I'm exampling and modeling for them. What does it look like to socialize well? How do I treat the cashier at the at the grocery store? And how do I speak to the, the post office employee and how I interact? They're watching, they're absorbing, they're taking that all, all in. And so we get to be the ones to show them what healthy socialization actually looks like. Mm, that's good. Dorinda, I don't, Katie's probably too young to remember this, but do you remember Rick Boyer's book years ago? What was it called? The Socialization Trap. Did you ever hear him speak on that? He was hilarious. Oh, he would bet. talk about all the people that would come up and say, well, what about socialization? And that's how he would say <laughs> it. It just cracked me up to hear him talk about it because you're right. I mean, they socialize with all ages when they're with us. And that is just a, a healthier way to live. Uh, we had a restaurant years ago and we we worked both homeschool kids and uh, kids that went to school. And uh, there were a lot of kids that went to school that had very good social skills. But I did notice that the homeschool kids seemed to be way more comfortable talking mm -hmm. with kids and adults, mm -hmm. whereas so many of the ones that were in school, it seemed like they were only really comfortable talking to their peers. And mm -hmm. so that's, uh, you know, that's healthy socialization when you can talk to people of all ages with confidence. So, uh, you know, I think we can safely say that most all parents want their kids to have the best education they can. Uh, but it's quite evident that the traditional school environment has become less and less ideal for kids. And there is certainly certainly a rising concern about the public school's agenda uh, becoming less and less about educating our kids and more about indoctrinating them with lies that push immorality and division. So as a result, we're seeing uh, parents just pulling their kids out of school left and right. But I bet there are some of our listeners out there who, yes, they are fed up with the school system and uh, what their kids are being subjected to, and they'd really like to pull them out and homeschool, but they just don't feel qualified to teach their kids at home. So Dorinda, how does the four-hour school day give parents the confidence they need to take control of their children's education? Well, you know, I think uh, that's something that is very common. Uh, even parents who've been homeschooling for a while, we go through these periods where we feel like maybe I'm not adequate for the job. But I'll say what I said before, you know your kids better than anyone. You love them more than anyone. You are more invested in their future than anyone. And so why wouldn't you be the best one to facilitate their education? And I use that word purposely. Facilitating means I'm not necessarily going to teach my child every single thing. I'm going to be smart enough to know when to outsource something, when to use maybe an online class for something, when to bring in a tutor, um, when to maybe share a little co-op type situation with another family whose parents are better at something than I am. There's so many options, and that's the beauty of homeschooling is we have we have 
unlimited resources. Your biggest problem will be choosing the resources. And so, <laughs> um, so the qualification thing, I think, is really uh, we do battle it, but I don't. I really sincerely don't believe it's as big of a deal as people make it out to be, or is that we tend to focus on our weaknesses instead of our strengths. And I think that's another thing I'd really want to encourage parents. Think about the strengths that you bring to the table, because God has given you those. He's given you your children specifically. He's weaved your family together. He wants you to use your strengths and your gifts as you're homeschooling your kids. And if you're not good at something, well, God can provide someone else to teach them that. Our kids have had mentors that have come along that know about things we we know nothing about and didn't have to learn anything about because God provided the resources. And so just be prayerful along the way. Trust God to provide everything that you need. And, and yes, it's a faith builder. And yes, it's a little um, unnerving at times. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like I said, it's your love for your children and your investment in them and your um, just your expertise in them that's going to make all the difference in the world. Mm, that's good. Well, building on that, Dorinda, throughout the book, you say, you mentioned the importance of engaging with the homeschool community in your area. So what is the first step parents can do to find a community and how will having a community help new homeschooling parents in particular? We're made to live in community. We need support. We need a certain, even if it's just one other friend, because there have been seasons in my life where I couldn't do co-ops. I couldn't, you know, when I had six kids, nine and under, a co-op just wasn't a good idea. I tried. <laughs> it, it didn't last very long. <laughs> and I realized, yep. okay, my kids are far better off um, at home doing our simple routine at this season in life. And so I had a friend that uh, also had kids about the same age, and we would call each other almost every single morning for just even a few minutes to say, hey, how you doing, you know, or pray for each other or, you know. I would say, I'm going to kill this kid. Please help me. And they would say, no, no, don't. She would say, don't do that. <laughs> your kids need you. Um, so they don't need you in jail. And I don't want to bail you out. So let's figure this out. So, you know, and she knew That's my a good kids. Friend. Were, <laughs> she knew my kids really well. And so she would say, now remember, she would remind me thing, about things about my own children that she knew that maybe I was forgetting. Remember when you did this and it was really effective. So mm. even just one friend, can make all the difference in the world. And I, I dedicate an entire chapter to this in my book um, because there are some there are things to consider. There are questions to ask yourself and, and they're in that chapter. But I think you know one of the first steps you can take is to connect with homeschool families you already know. You know, we, maybe you don't know any because you were thrust into this and you you made this decision never expecting it. And you don't have any homeschooling friends. And if that's the case, um, word of mouth, that that's a good way to do it. Ask your hairdresser. Ask, you know, the cashier at the grocery store. Do you know anybody who homeschools? Do you know of any homeschool groups? You can Google search it. You can get online and look for any local uh, groups. There are um, systems set up for that. If you go to your uh your state homeschool, almost pretty much every state, 
Ginger, doesn't every state have mm-hmm. some sort of homeschool organization? And they, and they have a website, and they're going to be able to help connect. They'll have lists of groups a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You just got to find your area and find them. Um, you can call local churches and just say, hey, do you have any homeschooling families? Do you know anything about this? So really just being resourceful. Um, and of course, the first thing I would do is pray over it. Ask the Lord to bring you know, bring you to or bring to you whichever um the people, the group, the support, the community that you really need in this particular season. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Very good. Dorinda, you've got 25 years of homeschooling experience. So I, I can imagine you pretty much mastered how to teach multiple kids in different grades. And that is by far my biggest struggle. And I only have three kids. So for parents teaching more than one child, what advice do you give to help them customize learning to each child's specific needs? Okay. Well, first of all, I want to preface this by saying never one single day did we ever have a perfect homeschooling day Mm, and all of our thousands of homeschooling days. So I just want to clarify that. Um, And when people call me and uh, say that I've mastered (laughs) it, I would say that, you know, we got fairly good at it, but again, it was never perfect. And it was with my children. I don't know your children. You know your children. You know your uh, what season of life you're in. And those are all things to consider when you're uh, thinking about um, teaching multiple kids. I think the first thing that I would say is if you have very young children, please do not stress out about doing curriculum and that kind of thing. Um, I remember when I think it was, yeah, it was this, when I had the six kids, nine and under. Uh, for some reason, that's a very defining time for me. <laughs> I discovered and re- <laughs> realized a lot of things at that point. At, uh, for our four, we had two girls, and then we had four boys in less than six years. Wow. So there were toddlers, there were diapers, there was lots of poop and messes and things like that. <laughs> and crying. All the things. <laughs> and crying. Um, and things could go from zero to 103 seconds. Mm. And you know, I just had to always be ready for that. And so I remember at one point I was really frustrated because I just wanted to get four days of just a little bit of reading and writing and math done with my older two, you know, and it just, it was only, I could only seem to do it three days a week. And I was praying about it and I was so frustrated with myself and I was talking to the Lord about it. And it was like, he said to me, Dorenda, can you just be content with three days? Mm. And I was like, Yeah, actually, I can. You know, like, if you are, then I can be, you know. And so I started to just, I lowered the bar is what I did (laughs) Mm -hmm. to fit that season of life. And I had peace. And we pretty much got those three days in. Sometimes it was only two. And I can tell you, a quarter of a century later, it didn't matter. My kids Mm -hmm. are fine. And so they can read and write and function in society. (laughs) They're doing great, and they're raising their own kids, and they're homeschooling their own kids, and they're doing a great job. So, you know, really, I think what we have to remember is that family life is educational. Fixing a sandwich, reading with or two younger siblings, changing diapers, serving those younger, weaker ones in the family, we are teaching our kids to love well. We're teaching them to be the body of Christ. We're teaching them how to recognize a need and meet it, how to serve. Our children, children aren't here to be served. 
You know, they, they really are here to learn to serve. That's what we're here at for as believers. Christ mm-hmm. said that. He said, I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve. So we want to we want to have the mind of Christ and we want to teach our kids that. And we can do that in those very simple ways that also help us manage the chaos, you know. Um, and I think they're also to remember there are things you can do together. So do as many things as you can together. So if you can all read together, do all do your reading all together, do it. You might have to cut the younger ones loose a little sooner. You know, it's like they're riding a bus and you let them off a little sooner <laughs> because they just can't sit still as long or whatever. Um, and maybe you want to go into some deeper questions with older kids. Um, so you can do as much as you can to together and then tailor pieces um, to individual needs because we can't do every single thing customized to every child. That I don't, I don't think that's what God even intends. I mean, we want our kids need to learn to be patient, wait to have their questions answered. That's a that's a skill, um, and that's a character quality. And so remember that you're not just teaching your kids reading, writing, and math and all of that. You're, you're building character in them as well. And I know Ginger talks a lot about that. And in these situations, this is a perfect opportunity to do that. And always character trumps curriculum. You know, I, we want our kids to learn that world doesn't revolve around them. We want them to learn to be other-oriented. And again, I talk about this in the, in the four-hour school day as well. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm, and I was like, yeah, Dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. <laughs> and he said, well, I never noticed that before. <laughs> And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. One of our most hilarious church moments happened before COVID. You know, back when we were allowed to sit next to people. Well, my son had brought his favorite Lightning McQueen car with him that particular Sunday. We were sitting in the middle of our very large church, so literally thousands of people, when suddenly lightning hit the floor and he rolled and he rolled and he rolled all the way to the front of the church. And then some amazing person at the front, probably a dad, just picked up the car and without even looking back, he just passed it over his shoulder to the row behind him. And that person passed it back and back all the way until lightning was returned and my face was pretty much as red as that car. That story is one of the main reasons I'm so excited to share more about our sponsor, Not Consumed. Not Consumed is a family-owned ministry with dozens of products to help you and your family grow in faith. Their Bible studies for kids and families are amazing and so helpful. I love the one entitled My Brother's Keeper. But my favorite product 
is the Sermon Notebook. I just love that this is a way for our kids, as young as four years old even, to stay engaged with the sermon rather than distracting the entire church. To find out more about Not Consumed Ministries' incredible catalog of products and to download their free family Bible study, just visit notconsumed.com slash ginger. Again, that's notconsumed.com slash ginger. Dorinda, you're a big believer in teaching kids to become independent learners, which I can only imagine is a necessity when you're homeschooling eight children. I mean, you know, that's just not two or three. That's an entire tribe. That's a football team, Ginger. <laughs> I mean, that's almost a football team. <laughs> yeah. So, Dorinda, tell our listeners how teaching kids to become independent learners really impacts them as students as they transition through school. Well, I'm a big believer that our kids need to own their education because if they don't own it, they're not motivated. And that's a process. That's not something that happens overnight, but owning their education provides, like I mentioned, motivation and a sense of purpose. So as they begin to own what they're doing, and and of course, we want them to own all of life, but we're we're talking specifically about their education. like I mentioned before, it's a process and it's something they grow into. And we encouraged it from a very early age. And, and the way that we did it and, and was this, when even when they were, when they were first just learning um, reading and writing and basic math, once they had those down, then they had workbooks that they worked in and they knew they had to do so many pages in this book and so many pages. They knew what was expected of them and they were expected to sit down and start working on it. I was available. I was close by. If they had questions, they were frustrated, had concerns or whatever, but I encouraged them to do it on their own. Now, before I totally let them go on that, I taught them one really important thing as part of the process. They would read, you know, when you open up a workbook, there's directions. And so they would I would have them read the directions to me and then I would have them tell me what they thought the directions were telling them to do. What, you know, what what were they interpreting there? Because, you know, if they get that messed up, then they're going to mess up the whole page and it's just discouraging for everybody. But what I was doing was I, you know, as they're reading the directions and they're having to tell me that, that is those are a couple little steps towards owning what they're doing because mm-hmm. they're having to verbalize it. They're having to communicate it to me. And then once I knew they had that, then they could then they could go ahead and get started. And or maybe I would say, we'll do the first one and let's see, you know, and see if you fully understand what they're asking, if you have any more questions. So just little things like that to start with. Um, and then I think the other thing is that by the time they got into high school, they they were pretty much fully owning everything they were doing. That was the goal. So I started out at the beginning with that as the goal in mind. And I warned them in, you know, around junior high, I would say, okay, when you get into high school, um, you're going to have, you know, goals that need to be met. We're going to, we're going to meet together and we're going to talk about how, how you want to meet those goals. But these are, you know, the things you need to be able to accomplish in order to get a diploma. So you are going to earn that diploma. So by the time we finished out that 12th grade, 
they owned everything that they were mm-hmm. doing. And and when I said, when I hand you that diploma, I want you to be proud of it. And I want you to know that you earned it. I didn't do it for you. This wasn't mom's thing anymore. Um, it's totally your thing. And, and that's what we did. And they were very proud of themselves when they graduated. And so it was just a great sort of long, it was a process and it was a journey, but it was a great goal to work towards. Well, let's talk about the older kids for a second. So you know, there are parents that have kids in high school and have never homeschooled, but are planning to do that. Can they provide a quality education for them at home, or is it too late for them to make that transition? Well, you know, like I mentioned before, there's so many resources out there and so many options to help make uh, homeschooling through high school doable. You know, I, I did a podcast a while back talking about getting started, and one of the things that we mentioned, I was I had someone else on the podcast with me, but we were talking about how when you learn to bake a cake, sometimes you have to buy the boxed cake first, mm. right? That you, you just get started doing that. And then you realize, you know what? All this is is flour and sugar and some baking. I can do this myself. So sometimes you got to start out with more of a real structured, especially if your child is used to the traditional classroom and they're, they want more structure because there are some kids who need that to feel like, especially when they're in high school, they have... It's sort of ingrained in them that there needs to be a certain amount of work involved or they're not actually doing school. And they might need that for confidence reasons, and you might need that for confidence reasons. But then maybe you can sort of meander away from that as you get comfortable and start to maybe um, think about some things. Maybe we could do this a little bit differently, or we could add this, and or we could combine these things um, in order to to get that credit that you need. Um But the benefit of homeschooling is that you, as high schoolers, can typically finish in four hours or less a day. I firmly, firmly Mm -hmm. believe that. Um, We really, that was our goal even in high school because I wanted my kids to have margin in the afternoon. I wanted them time to have time to have experiences, to be in drama, to, you know, if that's what they loved or follow their hobbies and their interests. And um, because I knew those things were eventually going to lead us to their, their giftings and their careers. Um, And we want them to be able to have that time for internships, apprenticeships, those kinds of things. The other thing I would really suggest is you know, try to have your teen on board with this because it's a whole lot easier if if they're on board. So have the conversation <laughs> with them. I'm assuming that if you're doing this, they're probably on board with the change. Involve them in it. Involve them in the process. Have those conversations about what they loved, what they hated, what they'd like mm-hmm. to do, what they'd like to experience. Um, give them choices. Um, I would give my high schoolers a choice on, you know, like say, You've got to meet this history credit. Here are four options that do it all different ways. It could be DVD. It could be audio. It could be an online class. You get to choose how you want to do this. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and they they love that because they feel mm-hmm. respected and they feel like they're part of the process. And again, that's going to feed into that ownership, which is really important because that requires less from the parents and mm-hmm. helps transition the kids into adulthood. <laughs> Mm-hmm. which is the goal, right? That's great. <laughs> and That's the other right. thing is, as we're talking to them and having these conversations, we want to cast a vision beyond the temporary. Okay, yes, you're missing out on prom, but what are you gaining? You know, you're getting to maybe move toward that thing that you love to do and maybe make a career out of sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dorinda, in your book, I love that you encourage parents to incorporate their child's interest into their studies, which makes 
you know, so much sense because when they're learning about something that interests them, that's going to help them develop an actual love for learning. So Dorinda, I'd like for you to tell our listeners how incorporating the child's interest into their studies benefits teens in particular, especially as they're finishing up high school. Mm-hmm. Well, for sure, it provides motivation because if it's something they're interested in, it's something they're going to be motivated uh, to do the work for. You know, when our son went into college, um, he had not, I, I don't know if he'd really written much in the way of essays or not because he's so despised language arts. And I really mm-hmm. tried to walk that line that I didn't want him to hate it, but I need, knew he needed some exposure. So I walked it as carefully as I could. He was our our first son and and first one not interested in words and all the things that I love. And so it was really a, it, it was kind of like a, I was sweating bullets there when he went into college and thought, oh my goodness, is he going to be able to do this? He went in because he wanted to become a software engineer, which is all math related, nothing I'm interested in. I could, everything he learned was self-taught because he was, you know, motivated to, to learn it. But when he got to college, that first paper in his first English class, I was shocked how well it was done because he owned what he was doing. He had a goal in mind. And once he had that goal, there was no stopping him. He would learn whatever he needed to learn to do what he needed to do. And this is why keeping learning as positive as possible, as enjoyable as possible all along the way and instilling that love of learning is so important. Um, So like I mentioned before, it, this also helps eventually hone in on their talents and their gifts, the things that they they are passionate about. It also the other thing that's great is we it gives them experiences, um, the, and these experiences can count towards high school graduation. I think this is something we don't realize a lot of the time is is how these experiences can be translated onto a transcript that gives them just this robust transcript, um, should they ever need it. Most of the time they don't, but (laughs) (laughs) we do it in case they need it. Mm -hmm. But that's the cool thing is that they get to, to, you can take certain things, like my daughter, when she wanted to do uh, science in high school, she loved animal husbandry and caring for animals. And, and, you know, that that was most of her science in high school because that was what she loved. And so we were able to translate that into her science credits. So that's the beauty of homeschooling. You have that kind of flexibility. And and all of this helps them enjoy the process of working towards graduation. Yep. And that's why I wish we would have been friends long before we were, Dorinda, (laughs) because this idea of incorporating the child's interest into their studies, that's another thing that I missed when mine were growing up. Not so much with my youngest, but definitely with my oldest. Uh, From the time my firstborn Wesley was young, I mean, I'm talking seven or eight years old, he was fascinated with cooking. Loved to watch all the cooking shows. So, when all the other kids are watching Barney and Elmo, he was watching Iron <laughs> Chef and Emerald. And, you know, he continued that just to show that natural interest in cooking. And now looking back, I really wish that I would have made a bigger deal about it. Because now at 28 years old, that's what he's doing as a living. Mm-hmm. He, he's one of the cooks at an upscale fancy restaurant in Tennessee. And y'all, when I say fancy, I mean way too fancy for us to afford. And he just absolutely loves his job. But the point is, Mm. I should have nurtured his natural interest in cooking more than I did. And if I had it to do over again, I would have encouraged him to go to culinary school instead of traditional college, which would have been way more beneficial to him instead of all the wasted classes that he took in college, which let me tell you, Mm. there are a lot of wasted 
classes in college. But don't even get me started on that. Cha-ching, <laughs> yeah. cha-ching, cha-ching. Right. So, Dorinda, there, uh, there's just so much eye-opening and practical, helpful information in your book. But what would you say is the number one lesson that you really want readers to take away from the four-hour school day? Well, I can. that's an easy one for me. I want parents to understand how valuable their role is in their children's mm-hmm. lives and that by providing safety and security and stability, your kids are going to learn more easily and naturally. And again, yeah. this is why it's not going to have to take all day. Um, and it's not about choosing the perfect curriculum as much as raising emotionally healthy, caring, contributing adults who are critical thinkers and problem solvers. The world needs a whole lot more of them. Mm, Yep. Amen. That's good. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. This is one of my favorite parts of the show because it reminds us that parenting isn't meant to be done alone. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Dorinda. So Dorinda, what quick tip do you have for our listeners today? Well, it's one that I've recently gone back to that was very beneficial throughout all the years of raising our kids, and it was thinking the night or afternoon before about what you're making for meals the next day. That's Mm -hmm. the hardest part of life. Preparing ahead. Yes. Yes. And so um, because there's so much benefit to that, you can provide healthier meals, homemade meals. You won't eat out as much. It's better for the budget. It's better for the waistline. um, All those things. And it, it, I don't know, for some reason, that particular thing really just brings me a lot of peace going into the day. So if, it's, mm-hmm. if it happens to start out a little chaos, chaotic, you know, because you never know what's going to happen, <laughs> what you're going to wake up to in the mornings, um, that, that just helps me so much. That's good. I like that tip. Would you plan literally the night before or would you plan weeks in advance? Just out of curiosity, with that many kids, I'm, I'm, I just can't imagine. You know, I had a I had a menu, usually a weekly menu that I just repeated, and then when we when I got sick of one of the meals, I would switch it out for another oh. one. But I'd keep all the other ones the same. That's so smart. I wasn't having to change things every week, and you know, I didn't I didn't have to reinvent the wheel every week. Um, but sometimes, you know, I would have that menu, but you know, like maybe on you know Tuesday, I decided. I, you know what? What I'm supposed to have tonight for dinner, I'm. I, it doesn't sound good, so I'm going to have this other thing. It was just a list, so I would pick off the gotcha. list until we ran out of things. And you had the supplies <laughs> mm-hmm. you needed on hand, but then you'd choose the meal right. you want the night before. That's smart. Right. That's exactly. so smart. Exactly. Yep, that's good. I went through a season where what worked for me is I cooked a really um, big meal on Monday night and on Tuesday night as well. And I made sure that I cooked enough to have leftovers. And so on Wednesday night, we would have Monday night's leftovers. And on Thursday night, we would have Tuesday night's uh, leftovers. And then on Friday, it was a pizza night or just pick something up really simple. So that was something that worked for me. But I, I agree with Dorinda. I think having a plan of some sort can really eliminate stress from your week when you plan out that meal ahead of time. Yeah. Well, and there weren't many leftovers at our house, so that didn't work so well. (laughs) Yeah, with eight kids, probably not. (laughs) If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. 
Since Dorinda is uh, on our show today, we thought this would be a great time to tell you guys about an awesome movie about homeschooling coming out on Friday, November 12th. It's a feature-length documentary called Schoolhouse Rocked, The Homeschool Revolution. The movie follows the host of the movie, Yvette Hampton, as she travels around with her family, talking with education experts and curriculum developers and homeschooling families all over the country. And Dorinda and I are so excited that we got to be among those families. So we're both in the movie, as well as many of our favorite speakers and fellow homeschoolers. Hang on, Ginger. So, I'm in the movie, too. What? Uh, that's I'm right. in the movie, Katie, so let's actually, not forget that. I'm a bystander. I forgot. I was an extra. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Actually, when they interviewed me for the movie, Katie was at my booth shopping yes. for books. I don't even think we knew each other then. We didn't. Yeah, we saw the movie after we started doing this home uh, school. I mean, after we started doing this podcast, we were watching the the movie they sent us before it's going to air. They let us all look at it. And I was like, is that Katie oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. at the booth? And I don't even know her. So she's actually, yeah. So all three of us are in the movie. Am I in the credits? That's what I need to know. I need to go back and watch and see I'll, if I'm in the credits. I'll check okay. with you, I'll call Please you as soon as we hang up and make sure you're front and center. <laughs> all right. So I hope you guys will be sure to check it out because I know you'll be so encouraged. Again, the movie's going to be out on Friday, November 12th, and you can access it for digital streaming through the website, which is schoolhouserocked.com. That's schoolhouserocked, R-O-C-K-E-D.com. And we'll be sure to put a link in our show notes so you can easily access that. Dorinda, this has been fantastic, and I just know our listeners have been encouraged with the wisdom and insights that you've shared with us today. Guys, the four-hour school day, if you haven't read it, do you and your kids a favor and get it. It is by far the most insightful, compelling, profound book I have ever read on homeschooling. And as a veteran homeschooling mama, that's really saying something because I have read a lot of them. Uh, the four-hour school day is just packed with encouragement and practical advice, and it will equip you with the, all the information you need to create a sustainable homeschooling plan customized to your child's needs. Dorinda helps parents explore the rich and wonderful world of homeschooling, and she'll help you realize that it's not only more doable than you think, but far more beneficial than you can imagine. Dorinda, I said this to you on the porch at the lake house that day, and I want to say it to our listeners now. I said, this book will absolutely revolutionize the way parents approach educating their children, and that is exactly what it's doing. Dorinda, I've been waiting for three years to get to say, I told you so, <laughs> and it's finally here. Oh. oh, friend, I'm just so proud of you, and I'm so excited by the way God is using you and your book to help parents and their children thrive in homeschooling. Thank you. And thank you for having me on today. It was great to visit with you and share with your audience. Listeners, be sure to check out our show notes for links to Dorinda's book, as well as the Schoolhouse Rocked documentary. Also, for more encouragement about homeschooling, be sure to check out the Dorinda Wilson podcast. Lots of good stuff on there, and we'll put a link to it in our show notes as well. As we draw to a close, Dorinda, can you please leave us with a final word of encouragement? Well, you know, I mentioned before, Again, your role as parents matters. And I think the you know, the culture tells us parents are a side dish, but God says otherwise. You put you play a crucial role in the life of your child, and God wants to use you mightily. This is a mission that we're called to, and it's just as vital and legitimate as any other mission or calling. Um, I, like I mentioned before, he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. He will strengthen you and give you wisdom 
My favorite verse is James 1, verses 5 and 6. If you lack wisdom, ask God and who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But we have to believe and not doubt. You're raising the next generation. So I'm just praying that um, you'll be found faithful, that we will be found faithful to do this to the glory of God. Dorinda, thank you so much for being a guest on our show today. What is the best way for our listeners to connect with you and to get a copy of your book? Well, you can connect with me at DorindaWilson.com, and you can find my book there, or you can find it on Amazon, or just pretty much about any of your favorite booksellers. Well, thank you listeners so much for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This just helps get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Thank you so much, listeners, for being with us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. As a mom, I can't imagine going back to the good old days where parents just sent their teenagers off in a car without a way to call if they, you know, get into a fender bender with their insurance agent's daughter. That's a true story. I did that. And as my kids mature, I like the idea of them being able to reach me if something happens. Uh, but I don't like the idea of giving my kids access to the entire World Wide Web of wackadoos. This is why I'm ecstatic to introduce you to our sponsor, Gab Wireless. They are the first smartwatch and smartphone provider to actually do something smart when it comes to our kids. Gab watches and phones look and feel like all the smart devices on the market, but the great thing is that they don't cost more than a mortgage payment, and they're super safe for kids. There's no internet, no apps, no games, no social media, and no contract. Instead, the Gab watches and phones have just the functionality that is safe for kids and nothing more. Gab watches and phones are just $100 and start at $10 per month for service. But for our podcast listeners, Gab has offered $30 off the price of their watches and phones. Just use the code GINGER at checkout to get your Gab watch or Gab phone for just $70. Go to Gab, that's G-A-B-B wireless.com and use the code GINGER at checkout. Again, that's Gab, G-A-B-B wireless.com and use the code GINGER at checkout.